0: You're listening to an irreverent podcast.
1: For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm.
0: Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking Church Podcast. It's your girl Josie, and I am here today with fundamentalist survivor (laughs) and a Bob Jones University alum.
1: (laughs) which is unfortunate. not really i got expelled though but hell yeah that's better so yeah, we'll, we'll dig into that yeah i was there for three and a half years.
0: oh my gosh that's so close <laughs> that's so annoying um andrew pledger everybody <laughs> how are you andrew
1: i am good i am so excited i've been watching your social media stuff for a while and i'm so glad we could finally ah! have a time to just talk about fundamentalism, my upbringing, and also a lot about Bob Jones University. Yep. And I just put out all the episodes for my new podcast called Surviving Bob Jones University of Christian Cult. is out everywhere now. So, who, it' it's like it's a relief. Mm. It was a very emotionally taxing and really tolling project, but I'm so glad that it's out there, and it's so neat. And I'm so, so proud of it.
0: Good. I mean, I love podcasters, obviously. I'm a podcast Um, fan. Um, I listen to way too many podcasts throughout the day. So I'm going to add you to my list, my (laughs) cue. My cue is actually pretty ridiculous. I like was diagnosed with OCD at seven years old. And sometimes I'm like, I'm over it. And then I look at my podcast queue that is so meticulously organized. And I'm like, oh no, girl, you are <laughs> in it. <laughs> For real, um, but tell us a little bit about, give us like an overview of Andrew and Bob Jones and all this stuff, give us a little tease.
1: Yes. So for people who don't know me, I'm Andrew Pledger, and I was raised in the IFB cult, which for people who aren't familiar is Independent Fundamental Baptist. My parents graduated from Hiles Anderson College, which is an IFB college attached to the largest IFB church in America, which is First Baptist of Hammond, and it's located in Indiana, and it was started by Jack Hiles. So that's where my parents met. And my dad was a pastor before I was born, and he left the ministry by the time that I was born. And my mother, she was a Christian school teacher until she decided to dedicate her life to homeschooling her children. So I'm the middle oh of god. two other I have two other brothers and I'm the middle. And yeah, I was homeschooled K through twelve.
0: Oh my god. my entire life
1: yes they really committed I yeah 2005 to 2018 was when I was homeschooled like k through 12 and my parents they mainly used the Abeka curriculum that was the main thing which is yeah (laughs) typical um fundamentalist curriculum produced by Pensacola Christian College and they did use some other curriculums, but that was the main one. And like, I got to a certain point where my parents were like, "You know what? We need. Abeka isn't good at everything. Mm, um, imagine that." <laughs> and I think the thing is too, like, you know, my mom she had her limits as what she could teach, mm. and so she had to go to other resources of like, "I can't teach from these textbooks because I struggle with some of this stuff." So I think. But yeah, Becca was the main curriculum until I think like I hit high school. That was around that time or probably a little before that.
0: When the math started getting real complicated.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Honestly.
0: This is the part, sorry to interrupt, but this is the part that always gets me about fucking homeschool parents and no offense if you're doing it right or for other reasons. Um, Cause I do believe there is a place for homeschooling for certain kids, but not every child. Um, I don't understand how these parents are like, and maybe this is a California conservative, crazy anti-vax thing, but they're like, I was a C high school student and I didn't go to college and I'm not good at math, but I'm going to homeschool my children. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to teach those kids? You don't know history. You don't know shit. What are you going to teach them? Anyways, um, I your know. mom went to college, so
1: yeah she did get a degree studying english that was her strong suit
0: all right then i i believe in her <laughs> maybe i shouldn't but
1: <laughs> i mean yeah i mean um i think it is to to really think that you can teach all the subjects when you just learned one main subject in college is a lot to put on yourself and like I don't think we should expect people to know everything, mm-hmm. be experts on all subjects. But that's the thing with homeschooling. There's such a lack of regulation in mm. the US around that. And I think John Oliver, he just covered that on one of his segments recently, just on homeschooling. I and saw
0: that ab- on YouTube. I got to watch it.
1: Abeka was covered, BJU Press was covered, <laughs> and Ace. Just those three
0: yes john oliver
1: because they're like they're the biggest homeschooling curriculums i'm surprised like bill gother wasn't mentioned in his institute of basic life principles but maybe he's dying now his company or whatever Good. i don't know with the documentary die <laughs> <don't know>. bitch <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i was homeschooled my entire life for the purpose of indoctrination into mm-hmm. the independent fundamental baptist cults and Yeah, the cult that I grew up in, it was pastored for by this pastor for over 60 years. Mm -hmm. And it was the only church that I knew, like I grew up in it, like it's all I knew this group. And I thought it was normal. I thought it was normal that end times in hell were used to scare us all the time i thought it was normal to separate and really isolate from the outside world i thought it was normal to hide or stay away from any information that contradicts what fundamentalist teachings are And, you know, I thought it was so normal to have that us versus them mindset to demonize people who believe differently. But, you know, it got to a point for me where there were moments in my childhood where like I started things didn't seem right. And one of those things was the devotion that people had to our pastor. You know, I didn't have the language then, but, you know, he had a cult following. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was really like there were moments that were so uncomfortable to me to how enamored people were with him and seemed to like worship him and even like my own parents the devotion they had to him I remember questioning people's devotion to him and when I questioned that my parents when they talked about this leader they would just start crying talking about how how wonderful and incredible he is and like after that moment like I just was like oh my what is what is going on i didn't have the language but like i felt so much shame for not seeing what everyone else saw or mm-hmm. felt about this leader of like oh what's wrong with me why don't i feel the same way why don't i look up to this person and another thing that bothered me was like my parents they would do whatever he said like if the pastor said it it was truth if he mm-hmm. put down a new rule that was bible that was truth and one of the rules i remember growing up was no mixed bathing which he talked about a lot this rule is when children of opposite genders swim in the same swimming pool that's mixed bathing that's the same so that's the
0: lamest way to refer to that
1: (laughs) yeah so they called it mixed bathing it's a sin for children prepubescent children of opposite gender to swim in the same swimming pool that yeah so that was something so that so as a child, uh, you know, I was really isolated, but my mom did get us involved in a homeschool group in a 4H club, but I still felt so out of place in that mm. and didn't fit in. We were like the really strange, weird, like religious, highly religious family that was like better than everyone else and more holy. You know what I God, mean? We, yeah. Uh, so I know obnoxious. what you
0: mean. <laughs>
1: yeah. And everyone else were they were the lax compromising liberal kind of Christians but we were you know we were the best and so they I didn't get to do a lot of things with other people because like for example in fundamentalism like there's no dancing so the homeschool Mm -hmm. group would have a prom every year I didn't get to go to prom to that homeschool prom you know they would go out and swimming in the summer I wasn't allowed to do that with them and they would go to the movie theater and I wasn't allowed to do that either so like I had a very strict very strict upbringing and you know as fundamentalist kids do just your entire life is so controlled and the the family i was in just was very like it operated like a cult Mm -hmm. you know my dad was the leader we always had to obey him couldn't question authority and our opinions didn't matter our emotions didn't matter at all it was all about obeying authority conforming to their interpretation of the bible and you know another thing about the independent fundamental baptist movement is they claim the king james version of the bible is the only legitimate word of god all other Uh, versions are false so a very like cult moment for the ifb with that like extreme stance and um yeah, they really believe they have all the answers and they can interpret the Bible correctly. And you know, if you're not gonna be an IFB Christian, you might as well not be one. Because right. like that's like the best. Version. Like, it's just so much narcissism and moral superiority mm. in that environment. And, like, you know, the IFB, it's very, they're known for their very authoritarian structure and authoritarian preaching. Like, it's just, they are just yelling at you and just beating you down mm. constantly. And just, I remember every Sunday leaving church feeling so worthless, just feeling like such a weight on my back. I don't remember leaving church ever feeling good or refreshed or whatever but they would say spiritually revived or whatever it was just like beat down beat down but then there would be these moments when they would just overflow you with love at times which was unexpected so it kind of mirrored a narcissistic
0: yeah i was gonna say it sounds relationship
1: like my Ooh, <laughs> oh no oh damn that's a Ooh, lot to yikes. do
0: <laughs> this is also fundamental in the latin way so i mean Oof! i got you it is Damn. less intense than what you went through though i will say that
1: but it, yeah i mean it's still valid 100 yeah. percent. still like these toxic systems just harm so many people and mm-hmm. so yeah growing up just all these strict rules and the thing is like the consequences or the fear of consequences of not following those rules or not confessing your sin or not having the right thoughts I definitely struggled a lot with, like, religious OCD, which I think is called, like, scrupulosity or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, <laughs> ooh, just constantly being scared of, like, being hurt by God if I didn't do things perfectly or confess. And, mm-hmm. like, I remember even as I've been digging more and processing and therapy, like, things are coming up. And something that recently came up was I remembered that, like, I was so... I thought my family was the most righteous family on the planet that I thought God was going to harm our family. Like he did to Job to oh test my God. them. The so like, yeah, like I know when I, that came up in therapy, I'm <sighs> like, Oh, that was repressed for a long yeah. time. Like it's just Yet. terrifying. Like I was like, Oh my God, like how awful does like me as a child, so scared that God was going to like kill my family or I don't know, destroy our house or something. And Like, that was a real fear because, you know, if you're sin, you're going to be harmed. But also, if you're so righteous and good, you're going to be harmed. But it's a different context. God's testing you. And so it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't Mm -hmm. in that situation. And there was an instance in my childhood, I think it was like early teen years, where I think I remember what it's called. It's called a microburst. And a microburst is just this extreme gust of wind that comes out of nowhere. And it is like in a very isolated area and like comes in and like goes back up very quickly. Mm. And, you know, my family, it was, I think it was my parents were home and then it was just my little brother. A microburst came through and just affected our house. It was just our house in the neighborhood. We lost like five or more trees, five or more trees just like fell over. And like, I remember when it happened, I was in my living room and I, oh, I hear the wind. I'm like, oh, it's getting really windy outside. And then I hear it getting stronger and I feel like the windows are creaking and making those sounds and then I hear the roof like creaking and I'm like oh shit and then it's getting stronger and stronger and then I hear the tree snapping and my dad's like run downstairs so, like we have to go downstairs right now and we're running downstairs and our den kind of like partly underground like going behind the couch like scared as hell I was literally afraid like the roof was in a rip yeah. off of the top of our house like that's how strong like these these microbursts can be It kept getting stronger. And I was like, oh my God, what is going Like, we're going to die in here. And just a couple of minutes later, like it was gone. Everything was fine. Our house was fine. But we look out and we see like our, you know, we don't see the grass anymore. It's just trees everywhere (laughs) on the ground. And, you know, my mom was like, oh my gosh, she's like the Lord, he's testing us. He is testing us. And what happened was like, you know, it was going to cost a lot of money to get those trees out somehow like something happened where like the money was provided and then they you know my mom was like oh that was a test that we were you know we just had to trust in god and he was going to provide the money to get those trees away so that's that's Man, how she you buy
0: a chainsaw mom and have fun what the fuck <laughs>
1: <laughs> so like that was like a moment where it's like oh my god like this was a rare thing that just happened to our house and it was like again like that moment of like fear of like oh my gosh like something could happen at any moment. And then again, like there's an the end times to that thing that could happen at any mm-hmm. moment. So this throughout all of my childhood, there's just this fear of not being perfect. There is a fear of not being saved because a sign of not being saved meant not conforming to the rules. And if you broke the rule and you didn't feel bad about it, that meant you didn't have the Holy Spirit and you were going to hell. So like very controlling around your mind and your thoughts about conforming to this system. And in the church I grew up in, we were also told that if we did not give 10% of our income, we would not be blessed by God. Oh, prosperity so, gospel. love it. Oof. So, and that's the thing, like they would never put it that way. Like the, the IFB is very anti-prosperity gospel, but the church I grew up in, they would tell us that if, you know, you don't give 10% of your income, like God's not going to bless you. And so from a young age, when I got an allowance of $5 a week my parents would make me give my like 10% of that every week and I'm like damn this is really? not much anyways
0: I know in my church we had like a whole ass song that like for offering for kids like a kid song for offering and they it was like um if you give a dollar then god'll give you two like that was just what we taught children was prosperity gospel I was like this is bullshit anyways
1: yeah so yeah my my childhood was definitely like this fundamentalist group is a very fear-based very controlling has a lot of cult tendencies and you know as I got older you know they have this formula that they tell you that's the truth and if it doesn't work for you it's on you like you're not spiritual enough you're not trusting enough you're not believing enough and you know I started to really struggle with my mental health and also started like questioning my sexuality it just It wasn't aligning with the binary system and teachings that they were perpetrating. And once I really started to question my sexuality and when my mental health wasn't getting better with following their formula, it was me maybe saying like, oh, like maybe they don't have all the answers or any of the answers, you know, just Mm. because they say they have the answers doesn't maybe mean it's actually true. And then it's like, okay, they tell us this is the truth, but we're not allowed to question that. Mm like that's a red flag. And I think another big moment for me was our cult would do this like special like service or ceremony we would do every single year. And it was the same thing where it would be like this potluck in our fellowship hall that we would do. And there would be a service during this potluck and it was just dedicated to the history of the group. Everyone would be handed a pamphlet (laughs) that had the history of the church. And it was basically just a very grandiose, like narcissistic ceremony of like, look at all that we've accomplished look at all that we've built like it was the church i grew up in it was massive it was one of the larger ifb churches in america like we had Damn. a massive bus we at one time we had 50 buses for our bus ministry that would our bus go... ministry <laughs> oh yes the ifb they love the bus ministry and that's another thing ifb they're all about like these bigger ifb churches with their bus ministries they're all about bringing the numbers mm-hmm. the cult i grew up in we had boards on, in the auditorium on each wall, and it was like a scoreboard basically. Like it would show each bus route and how many numbers were on it. Like it was all about the numbers, how many people we could get in each Sunday, you know, and get them saved. And we would give these poor little kids like a an oatmeal pie cookie or whatever, and give them maybe like water or milk or something. Um, and yeah, it was just all about bringing in as many people as possible and like i did soul winning a lot growing up too um you know the basically um uh, evangelizing and like you know uh a moment like i was referring to earlier was that ceremony you know it was all about like look what we've done and of course it would say oh well you know look what god how you know allowed us to do or has blessed us and you know looking back i'm like okay you're taking a money from people and building all these buildings that you've done over building your empire over all these years uh, but something that stood out one year in one of these ceremonies was um I remember there was a member that got up in the pulpit to pray we were all bowing our heads down in this auditorium or sorry fellowship hall that could fit it could fit a thousand people I think in it and there were easily a thousand people um in this room and we were, you know, he was praying, we were bowing our heads. And I remember this member saying, you know, dear God, help us to be more like Brother Bobby. That was our pastor. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, I looked up for a second because, like, you know, in Christianity, you're supposed to be like Jesus, but mm-hmm. he just prayed for us to be more like our leader. And, you know, people were shaking their heads, like, yes, yes, like very solemn. And I, you know, I questioned that immediately because I'm like, no, that's not in alignment with like supposed Christian teachings. And yet, Mm -hmm. you know, you're praying to God to be more like a leader. Like that's just, it made me feel like really uncomfortable in that moment. And, but I, you know, I couldn't openly question that. I was afraid Mm -hmm. to like in that environment, you were always supposed to obey authority no matter what, because authority is always you know put in place by god and that's how they have these hierarchical like controlling groups and that's how they have the family organized and function like i think the shiny happy people documentary really showed oh, how yeah. fundamentalism um perpetrates these abusive structures where abuse and harm can really thrive and like the lower you are in the hierarchy the less you matter and the more harm that is going to happen. And you know in that environment, children are at the very bottom mm. of that. And you know, children didn't have a voice, and I didn't have a voice. I was struggling with a lot of things, and you know, I couldn't speak up about it. I couldn't question. and you know, needs didn't exist. So there was a lot of neglect, emotional neglect and for different needs. And like really, like a lot of these teachings, like they are really they're psychologically and emotionally spiritually abusive period Mm -hmm. you know for anyone and you know looking back you know they they thought it was good to break the will of children they thought it was good to break a person down because who you are is bad we need to get Mm -hmm. rid of that we need to put that down and you know that's what cults want to do. They want you to get rid of yourself 100% and build you into their image. Mm. And so, you know, I was a really like I was like the perfect kid growing up. I followed the rules, did devotions. You were did the perfect all...
0: kid as a middle child. How dare you? You, I'm a middle child. I'm offended. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I I really was like I tried my best to be the perfect kid getting mm-hmm. two shoes follow all the rules because I knew that could get me love and acceptance like I had to like learn and navigate that um but yeah it got to the point where like I was suffering like I was doing all the things but I was suffering but again I didn't know that that was part of the system I had to learn to question that 100 percent so yeah it really took a lot of mental health issues anxiety and just a lot of harm and cruelty at times for my parents to really start like waking up and you know by the time i was 17 i you know i had accepted mm-hmm. that i was gay and that i wanted to leave fundamentalism but i didn't know how to and i was about to graduate from homeschooling and i knew i wanted to go to college and the only option was going to a fundamentalist college because my parents would not pay for anything else so my mm. options were i either stay in the IFB or I go to a fundamentalist Christian college so like really put in a double bind of two horrible options. And, you know, for me, I was like, you know what? I, I need to somehow like get away from the control of my parents. Cause it just, they just controlled every aspect of my life throughout all of my childhood. And so I was like, I need to like, you know, be an individual somehow. And, you know, I ended up attending Bob Jones, university
0: which is a stupid name for university already off the bat bj by the way. yeah Bo- BJ. BJ. <laughs> bju yes
1: and you know there's a lot of like there's so much blame to students who go to these schools and then who come out and then speak out against it people are like oh you chose to go there you know that's on you and it's just mind-blowing to me i'm like okay let's not hold these systems accountable at all like, mm. no one, no one, like, you shouldn't say to someone who's in an abusive relationship, well, why did you get into that abusive relationship? You Instead chose of, to stay. Yeah. Yes, you chose. Yeah, it's just the same kind of, like, toxic rhetoric that's in our culture a lot, too, which I think is heavily influenced by, mm. like, Christian mm-hmm. patriarchy and all this other bullshit in that environment. Um, and, you know, there's so much blame, but it's like you a lot of there are so many students who go to these colleges that like don't don't know and really don't have a choice like you don't know anyone on the outside and for some people you'll literally be cut off in your family if you don't Mm -hmm. like stay in this system this like you know if you're not in it like you're the other now you're the evil one you're going astray so that happens sadly for a lot of people and so here I am. Like, I remember the day like going down to Bob Jones University. Like it was just so much anxiety throughout all of me. And I'm just just dreading it because I read the rule book and I had an, I had an idea of what I was getting myself into. And people always say, oh, you knew what you were getting yourself into, but it's like, no one really knows. I think a hundred percent, what they're getting themselves into because yes i was aware of all the rules but for me that that culture it's not just about the rules it's about how they enforce the rules Mm -hmm. so at bob jones university yeah i knew about the rules i didn't want to go but there weren't options but i didn't know that there would be a snitching culture there Mm -hmm. where you felt like you were always watched and you know people would turn on each other you students were like spies that would turn each other in and how that system was put into place was I'm heated it, I'm heated yeah, I'm so bad it's so it's so ridiculous and the, the reason they did that how they enforced this was if you saw someone breaking the rules and you did not report you were treated just as bad, like, you're just as guilty as that person who broke the rule. So it creates this system where they can control you so easily. It's like and cult
0: one-on-one. This is great. Yes.
1: Yes. And, you know, and another thing, like, I didn't know was the extent of control they would have in the dorms. Mm. They, it, each dorm operated like a cult in and of itself. Like, it had its own hierarchical leadership system where you felt like you were always watched. So, like, there was the Ew. dorm, there was a dorm supervisor, which I think he was at the top, and then it was a dorm mentor, and then under the dorm mentor was like all these RAs or residence assistants. One was placed on each floor, and then there were discipleship groups leaders on every single floor, several many of those, and then assistant discipleship group leaders on. Every this floor. is
0: too much. I went to Christian <laughs> University, and this is too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so yeah, so there there's all these different levels of control, like you, and again you're literally like explicitly not allowed to have like there's limitations on books you have music video games um just all kinds of different media so much control around sexual behavior relationships where you go like you you had to have like here's another thing you were forced to live on campus if you were between the ages of 18 to 22 and you know the only exception was you know there were students who were townies that's what we called them they lived in town outside Mm -hmm. of the campus but it was because they lived with their parents they had that authority over them so it was all about controlling these students and having these you know in air quotes spiritual authorities over us so we were forced to live on campus if we didn't have an option to live off campus with our parents and the only exception was you could live on off campus once you turned 23 years old. And here's the thing, most students there are 18 to 22. So it's like, you know, (laughs) yeah, so helpful there. Um, So a lot of us were forced to live on campus. And that's another thing of cults, they control where you live. And that was a big part of being a student at Bob Jones. And in these dormitories, we were required to be a part of these discipleship groups that would meet at least, three, I think, three to four nights a week. We oh, my
0: have. God! <laughs> Don't you have yes. homework?
1: <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. And that's <laughs> the thing with cults. Like, cults keep you so busy, and Bob Jones did that because we had discipleship groups. We had to join a society, which is basically, like, the, the Christian version of a sorority or yeah. um, fraternity, but except not fun or cool at all. Yeah. Um, And then we were forced to go to chapel four days a week.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, that was during the day. Yeah. And then on the Sundays, we were forced to attend a BJU approved church. It had to be either two services on Sunday or one on Sunday and one on Wednesday. So we had to go to two services, church services a week. And that's addition.
0: People think they are (laughs)
1: a (laughs) (laughs) cult. Amen. Yes. and. So, yeah, so the the, just you were so busy in addition to being a college student, going to classes, most likely working a job to save for college and then doing all your homework and all these assignments and different things. So it was just you were so exhausted and so busy with all these things. And with discipleship groups, we were all every single student was given this booklet that was written by the president of the university. And it covered every single like chapel sermon that he would cover in chapel that that was specifically geared towards the theme of the semester. There would always be some kind of theme, like one of the themes, like running the race, like, oh, my God, like, thank you. Just running like the, the
0: sermon series recycled.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it would be and like, you know, one one of the themes I remember was like based on like sexuality and gender. And I was like, oh, please, no please no, like, no, like, anything else, please, <laughs> not this, like, that was such an uncomfortable semester sitting in these room. people, like, talking about your whole existence of, like, whether, like, you should exist and not it's just so awkward and painful, but, um, But yeah, like that's the thing, cults love to produce their own material Mm. for things, their own stuff. And like that was, you know, a part of that information control and indoctrinating us into this fundamentalist ideology. And so, yeah, so there were all these aspects. And I tried my best to be, again, the perfect student, the perfect person, as in complete air quotes, that I, you know, had been my whole life. Oh, you know, and I was terrified of disobeying authority. And that was something that may, I think, influenced me going to Bob Jones. I was terrified of not going to a fundamentalist college like my parents wanted. Like, you know, there was, I remember being told growing up that, you know, God's going to harm you if you don't obey your parents. I never, I never heard about the Bill Gothard, like, umbrella growing up. I never saw that. But like, it it was the same sentiments, the same teachings. It just wasn't portrayed like he portrayed it um but it was Wait, yeah the same I'm thing i'm
0: curious because this is a recent trauma that i found out so i preach on sundays at my gay church and on father's day i was telling people that when i was growing up um kids in my church were always told like oh if you don't honor your father and mother you're gonna die young because it says like i was taught that
1: <gasps> my parents would tell me that yes See? okay they so would. it's definitely
0: a fundamentalist thing i was like is this just like a latin thing like but none of the white people at this church would understood, they were just like dead silent. And I was like, Oh my yeah. yeah. god,
1: <laughs> I remember laughing. my parents telling me that they're like, Yeah, they're like, if you obey us, you'll live a long life, and if you don't, God will shorten your life. So there was again that fear yeah. around dying young, which is just oh god, it's so awful and just so abusive to mm. say that to a child yeah. or anyone. But, um, but yeah, so that strong emphasis on authority like really gets people in, and also like the fear of like sin or going out, so like you're just. just pit against yourself and you're taught to distrust yourself and like when you can't trust yourself Mm. you're of course going to depend on these authoritarian figures who claim to have the truth who claim to be from god and you know they're conveniently put into your life by god Mm. um which you're told so you know you're like giving up your will you're surrendering um and not trusting yourself you know and when you When you can't trust yourself and you're cut off from that part of yourself, like that makes it so easy to manipulate people and mold them into what you need them to be. And, you know, when there's no sense of self or identity, you can mold people into what you need them to be. And, you know, I remember at Bob Jones, it was just, I continued to struggle a lot with my mental health, struggled a lot with suicidal ideation, all these different things. And it was just, their formula wasn't working again. And it's just so frustrating and, I remember one of the rules i accidentally broke was actually not going to church on sunday and it was one sunday i accidentally slept in and the thing was they would on i was on a freshman floor my freshman year so like all the guys were freshmen and it was a madhouse it was crazy
0: basically a frat house but stupid christianity so it's even worse
1: (laughs) (laughs) and every every sunday morning they would clear out the dorms and make sure that we were all gone out of the dorm going to church and this would happen at a certain time you know they would check every single room and like that was another thing they would check our rooms when we were in chapel. Like we had room jobs we would do, so that was another aspect of the lack of privacy. But it was this Sunday morning. I had slept in and I woke up, and I got up and I, I, I sat up, and I was, I looked at my other roommates' bunks. They were gone, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Sunday morning. I need to be at church. They're already gone." And I hear doors opening and closing, opening and closing in the distance. And I realize I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're checking the rooms right now. What do I do? I'm like, I'm not allowed to be in my room at this time. And the only exception was you had to email them the night before telling them you're sick or something that you're Mm -hmm. sleeping in. And they would accept that. But, you know, I hadn't done that. I had slept in. So I hear this person like I hear the Sound of doors opening, closing, opening, closing, getting closer and closer. And I'm like sitting there, kind of frozen. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like looking around. And for me, it was like, okay, like I, I thought I have to hide. Mm-hmm. And so I shove the mattress like a foot uh, at the top of the bunk. So I shove it a kind of a I think a foot from the wall. And I slide between the mattress and the wall. And I cover myself up with a blanket and I hear the door open. And this person comes in to check their room. And I was just terrified. I was like, please don't get caught. Like, if I get caught, like, I knew that I would be definitely watched more frequently Mm -hmm. for, like, disobeying or breaking the rules. And I hear this person, the sound of their feet kind of, like, lightly walking around. And then it's silent for a little bit. And I'm like, please "Please don't notice this bed is shoved out of it. It's, like, lurching over the edge. Like, please don't notice. And so... Then I hear them walk out and they close the door and I'm just like, oh, and I relieved and I, you know, I get up and like, it felt like really good. Like it felt like an yes. adrenaline rush. Yes. <laughs> it felt amazing. And I was like, wow, I really did that. And that was for me like really hard. Cause like you weren't supposed to break the rules mm-hmm. or go against authority. because so that was hard, but like, it, it was good for me because it made me see what my mental health was like without mm-hmm. church. Um, and so, yeah, after that, like it, that was close to the end of that semester. So that semester was done and it was a miserable first semester for most of it, trying to be the perfect soldier for Christ that they were trying to make us into. Mm-hmm. And I remember the second semester going back, I was like, all right, in order to really make it here, I need to learn to navigate the rules, to deal with this snitching culture, to deal with the watching, to deal with everything. Mm-hmm that is controlling every part of our lives just to just enjoy my humanity and really just try to enjoy life, which they're like, fundamentalists don't want that. Like suffering mm-hmm. is supposed to be such a good and righteous thing and your life mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And then, you know, like if you're struggling with, struggling with mental health, it's like, oh, it's a sin. That's your fault or whatever. And so for me, that second semester, I still continue struggling a lot with mental health you know and it got to a really dark place and i just had to make the decision to explore outside of that community because i was lacking so much community and you know i you know i couldn't trust anyone in that environment you know when you're when you have a genuine community it's when you can be yourself fully and you're loved and accepted for every part of yourself you shouldn't have to repress or be ashamed or hide certain parts of yourself to be accepted or be a certain kind of person or play a role that's so expected in this environment. And I was really scared of the outside world. I was taught that, you know, there's no love in their hearts, the unsaved, like they're under control by Satan. And, you know, we were taught that we were the only ones that were capable of genuine love and care. But what I saw around me, I was like, no, like this isn't love. Y'all aren't loving people this isn't freedom this is mm. like I, I saw a lot of harm and experienced a lot of harm growing out so I'm like no like this and this is love like oh like that's awful yeah and you know for the first time I was like all right I'm gonna explore the outside world I'm unsure I'm really scared about that and so I ended up going to a progressive church and I ended up meeting a family there And I told them about my situation and basically they got to know me and then they would take me to church every week and that kind of became my safe haven. And, you know, eventually they let me um, go to their house. They gave me a key to their house and I would go to their house like several times during the week, even when they were at work, just to like not be in that environment and just have that break. It's that really helped getting that affirming environment and getting that genuine community really helps my mental health so much. Like it wasn't this spiritual problem like they were talking about. Like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't like they would call sin or not being close with God. It was me having genuine human needs that weren't being met and also struggling with, you know, repressed trauma and things from my past. And so, you know, I was at Bob Jones University for three and a half years. And like, you know, even wow I cannot like thinking about it I can't believe I made it that long. I (laughs) know.
0: That's cool. That's awful. Um,
1: Yeah and I remember like even my freshman year there was suspicions of me breaking rules um, because I would leave campus a lot Mm -hmm. and another reason I would leave campus a lot was also to go to this nearby park and I would sometimes leave campus later at night but you know it wasn't curfew yet and I would walk to this park and eventually like i real, like i found out i was followed twice by staff off campus watching yes that uh, only two times that i know of the other times there could be other times that i was unaware so that really made me paranoid of course or really scared and anxious and it made me like want to stay on campus more and not leave as Mm -hmm. much worried about being followed and you know, that was my freshman year. Thankfully, like sophomore year, you know, I was in a new dorm under new leadership. So I think I was like, okay, it's like kind of like a clean slate. Like hopefully they didn't pass that information along. And, you know, thankfully I was able to find friends in that environment, but it was just so exhausting just doing all these busy activities that we were required to do. And it really triggered a lot of my religious trauma that Mm -hmm. I was struggling with a lot of these teachings and things where you know I was continue to be beaten down and made to feel worthless and like not being able to like communicate with people what i'm really feeling and experiencing always putting on a fake smile or fake face conforming and it was just i was yeah struggling with a lot a lot of trauma and so for me what i ended up doing i think this was my late freshman year was and, you know, another thing was I did experience a harassment by a group of guys at the school that would harass me for my perceived sexuality. And I couldn't tell anyone. Well, there are different things I was dealing with that I couldn't tell anyone. So what I decided to do was just start writing down my experiences mm. just in a word document just to like process. And, you know, I just started with my childhood and, you know, it eventually would turn I didn't intend for it to turn to a memoir, but like, that's what it has become. And I'm still continuing to work on it. But like, it was just so helpful for me to just start getting that out. I couldn't tell anyone, but let's write this Mm -hmm. out. Let's type this out, get it out. And like, it really helped a lot and you know i felt so much shame for like the the emotions and things that i was experiencing but then once i started typing it out i'm like you know what andrew this is pretty valid these Mm -hmm. feelings are pretty valid you had understandable like once i started like taking note of things like yeah this is pretty a regular person would have these experiences or reactions to these things you've experienced and like making me see that oh my gosh i know this isn't okay and you know i'm still processing those things in therapy. But for me, like it got to the point where like anything religious was like so triggering to me, so upsetting, like it would just upset my nervous system. And you know, at that point I was a Christian, but I decided at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna leave this mm. all behind because this is so harmful to me. This is stifling. This is not spiritual growth. And you know, I publicly left fundamentalist christianity my senior year at bob jones i had created a photo series because i was kind of a photography concentration and i made this series you know about religious trauma and my experiences and just emotionally processing that in that way and then once i made it you know i decided that i wanted to really share it publicly and share my story And I ended up doing an interview with Josh Harris, who wrote the book Mm -hmm. "I Kissed Goodbye." He was doing interviews with people deconstructing on his Instagram, and we did an Instagram live. And like, I told my story of religious trauma, of growing up in fundamentalism, of making the photo series, and just being gay in that environment because there's just you were really. In general as a person you were taught to hate yourself but as Mm. a gay person it was on such a much deeper level and that caused a lot of trauma from that environment of like you're an abomination like you're disgusting to god you're unacceptable but like you know that's everyone in that environment but it was just on a much deeper and more intense level it was like god hates you more or he's more disgusted with you than anything else Mm. and so that just caused so much trauma and Really like worrying for my own safety in that environment, even my own parents, like the hateful and violent rhetoric that they would use against the queer community. So it was just a lot uh, to deal with. So yeah, I publicly left that. Talked about the trauma I experienced as a queer person in that environment, and you know, and even at Bob Jones, during during that time, I I ended up being discipled, um, and it ended up turning into conversion therapy, basically. And I oh like I had to like get out of that situation because like at that point, I had developed enough of my intuition to know that this is harmful. This is this is so toxic. Mm. And so, yeah, I publicly left that. And, you know, I was basically expelled, excommunicated. I lost a lot of friends. I lost my career connections. I was fired from my jobs. But since then, though, like I've been rebuilding my life, the life that I want, not when mm. anyone else told me to be and I've continued to be like in their eyes the rebel speaking up not being silent about just the abusive teachings the control that happens in these environments and it's so normalized you're taught not to mm. question it and I'm like no let's question these system these systems are perpetrating harm and abuse and they need to be called out for it
0: yep yeah absolutely oh my gosh I'm so glad you survived Thank I mean you. The first yeah. thought that pops into my head is, it is. I don't know if you still believe in God, um, but it is such a miracle to me yeah. that you developed the intuition, like against all odds. I feel like there was some level of divinity telling you, yeah. like, "This shit is fucked up."
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't love that it happened to you, obviously, but I know I what you mean. Yeah. So relate. I mean. Um, there's just, I I don't know, like maybe it's a Southern California thing. There's just not a whole lot of fundamentalists out here. So Mm -hmm. people don't really understand like the, no, I'm not allowed to dance at your quinceañera. I can't dance. Like I'm not allowed to dance (laughs) or I don't know if they told you this, but like one drink of alcohol and you're an alcoholic, you're done. Oh yes. I was taught
1: that too. (laughs) That very like fear fear-based black and white Mm -hmm. thinking around it's just oh my god
0: i remember taking my first sip of beer at a family party in front of my dad my cousin's like try this beer and i was already in college and i was like fuck it (laughs) so i drank some of it and i was like oh delicious it was like a fucking corona or something shitty like that i was like wow delicious and my dad was heartbroken luckily he's not an aggressive man he's a very big pacifist And I could just see it in his face. He's like, "That was it. She's done. She's an alcoholic now."
1: Oh my gosh! (laughs) And like, how hard to like to think that way. Like, that's so so. It's so sad sad for
0: them. Like, yeah. I run a church. I preach at a church, but they still think I'm going to hell because it's a gay church. They like, oh my gosh, my daughter's gonna burn forever.
1: Mm, Um,
0: I told them I didn't believe in hell, and they were just like well that's it you're done you're you're gonna go to hell let's okay all right mom and dad it's but i mean i feel like these fundamentalist cults that we grow up in are just breeding ground for narcissism it's just oh yeah
1: most definitely
0: it's pretty upsetting um but i'm so glad that you told your story. I feel like this is such a good teaser for your podcast.
1: Yes. And for those, yeah, curious, you know, surviving Bob Jones University, it like covers the like totality mm-hmm. of like what's wrong, what's harmful about Bob Jones University. And like when I went into making the podcast, like I knew it was an awful place. But there were things about it that I did not know about that I discovered as I researched and also yeah. as I interviewed different survivors. So there's a lot more in the podcast to be revealed. And you know, like I could I could talk for hours about my experiences at Bob Jones, yeah. honestly. But like it's a lot, it's a lot to cover. So that was a kind of a general overview of yeah. it. But I I can't wait to I don't know when my memoir is gonna be done, but like I'm baby steps i'm getting it done yeah. when i can and processing things there's a lot more there's so much more to be said that i can never say in one interview and it's mm-hmm. just like oh my gosh you'll um, have to come
0: back on when you finish that memoir yes, i get it yes i
1: will love to come back on ah. yes oh my gosh <laughs> um yeah so yes yeah, So for people who are curious to learn more about surviving bob jones university it's on all podcast platforms and it really it covers a history and politics of the school survivors experiences the psychology of fundamentalism and the criteria for cults and i have two cult experts who come on the show and they have a lot to say about Bob Jones university oh
0: my gosh what a teaser <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> i love cults um great well plug away at anything else you got going on your instagram website all that shenanigan
1: oh yeah i got you yeah i'm very active with creating content on cults, fundamentalism, and religious trauma. Very active on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Threads Now. Not sure what to do with X. <laughs> um
0: <laughs> I call it Twitter. I don't give a shit what you. Elon Musk says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what um, to do with it either. <laughs>
1: yeah. So just search yeah Andrew Pledger and yeah I make a lot of content on those different areas that i mentioned and I've, I've been posting a lot of, a lot of different teasers of my surviving bju um podcast just promoting it um because i worked my ass off making it like this yeah, was a did. hard project and like you know how hard it is to podcast. Mm-hmm. it's not people think oh podcast that sounds fun and easy it's like honey You have to learn how to
0: use a whole new editing software and microphone. No, no, no. It's not And all the
1: research. Oh, my God. Like, you know, mine was definitely heavily research-based. I had all the research that I did and then.
0: You're writing a term paper and then having to say it out loud. Like, all of you bitches hate public speaking, okay? So it's hard. (laughs) It's hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I've, it it is a kind of a long podcast. It's, It's done. It's a limited series. But, like, it covers a lot. And I think when people listen to it, even if you didn't go to Bob Jones, I think there's a lot of things you relate to that are still so common in all these toxic religious systems or in these different groups or cults. And you know what I emphasize in the podcast is this isn't just Bob Jones University. Mm. There are so many different Christian colleges just like Bob Jones that operate in the same way. you know there's Pensacola Christian College. there's Liberty with Liberty is kind of mm. coming under a lot of fire. Mm-hmm. For their sexual abuse, in which I covered that in the BJU podcast, is Bob Jones. They had their own sexual abuse scandal of claims being put swept under the rug for decades, and so that's covered. That's covered a lot in the podcast and all different controversies. Um, so many controversies, like with, at Bob Jones University, they banned interracial getting married till two thousand.
0: I, as a person in an interracial marriage, I'm ready to throw the fuck down right now i'm ready to burn that shit to the ground oh my god Ew.
1: (laughs) i know and they've they've i think i don't know if apology is the right word but they've said like yeah like we didn't mean like that was wrong or whatever or i don't know they they, it's weird their apologies are weird like they're kind of like not apologies in that environment um but they have tried to change in some areas there's a lot more change and Honestly, I think the place will shut down if yeah. it can never turn into, I don't think it would ever turn into anything really, uh, like, really good. So, yeah. um, like, there, I don't think of the other controversies, that there's just so much. There's, like, the sexual abuse scandal with, like, there was a whole investigation at the school, and there was a damning report that was released. It's 300 page long, long, and, like, I read highlights of it for an hour and a half mm-hmm. on the podcast. Like, that's just it's a yeah. lot. um. Yeah. And it's just these same purity culture messages of like, oh, what were you wearing?
0: Mm.
1: Uh, you know, really, also like really blaming, you know, the victim or the survivor for what they went through, and like even some survivors were asked if they enjoyed the sexual abuse, which is just horrendous, horrific, and awful.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's just yeah. There's a lot that is exposed in the Surviving Bob Jones Diversity Podcast. I hope people listen to help bring awareness and i hope it will help people understand what it's like going to these kinds of christian Mm -hmm. colleges that are really cold honestly Mm -hmm. and i hope the public will start caring because these places that they're in plain sight like bob jones is in plain sight in one of the fastest growing cities in america Mm -hmm. and like it's just there and people drive by it all the time people choose to go there but that's not true it's not so i hope people will really start to care and really learn and understand the totality of really what's happening at bob jones and what's happening at these other christian colleges
0: yeah all right friends you heard them go listen right now wherever you get your podcast thank you so much andrew for being here Uh, i have enjoyed the ride i'm ready for the deep dive i'm a deep dive kind of bitch so i'm gonna go queue up your podcast right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you
0: yeah um friends as always you can find us at speaking in church on instagram you can find me and my dogs and my crochet journey on at josie takes the world it's not much more than that so follow the podcast instagram where i'm funnier i think (laughs) (laughs) and um we have a tip jar buy me a coffee on our instagram bio we have merch it's pretty sick um irreverent and lovely other than that friends that's all i have for you today And stay woke or get woke, please. Please! Bye!
1: This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.